Hello, and welcome to another episode of All of Them Witches. I'm your host, Marcus, here to chat about horror movies. So before we get started on today's film, which will be The Autopsy of Jane Doe, I just wanted to briefly mention a bunch of movies that I've watched since the last podcast. Um, so after Suspiria, I watched, you know, kind of a weird mix of things. Uh, Spring Breakers. Um, Scooby-Doo Return to Zombie Island. Because I like the original Scooby-Doo on Zombie Island film. That one's a lot of fun. Um, the newer one was not as good, certainly. Um, but it was okay. It's, you know, it's, it's Scooby-Doo. You get what you expect, I guess. Um, I watched a couple docs because I um, felt like watching things and, you know, Canopy is a good resource for watching a lot of documentaries a lot of the time. So some of the, a couple of them that I watched were The Slanted Screen, um, De Palma, and Daddy and the Muscle Academy, which was good. Um, it's about the artist Tom of Finland. And I didn't actually realize that there was a doc from, I guess, the very early 90s on him. The only thing I'd seen is, uh, I think it's sort of like a docudrama called Tom of Finland, which was all right. It's on Hulu, but uh, I preferred this a lot more to it. Um, and then I watched Bamboozled. And uh, I think that was everything about, yeah. Of course, and then I watched The Autopsy of Jane Doe. So, um, if the name doesn't sort of give it away, this is a movie pertaining to an autopsy of a Jane Doe. Yep, um, that's really all that anyone should know about this movie before they jump in. So, let's get to it. This is not what I was expecting. Can I see one? No, no. What's that for? Make sure he's dead. Sheriff, what happened? No ID, no fingerprints in the system. For now, she's a Jane Doe. He needs my help right now. 11 o'clock, I'm all yours. Subject is in her mid to late 20s. Hair, brown. Eyes, gray. What happened to you? First, they bound her. Then they ripped out her tongue, poisoned her, paralyzed her, forced her to swallow the cloth. Where is that? I'm going to say that when this movie came out in 2016, I really wanted nothing to do with it. 
And I'm not sure why. I mean, I already know at that point I was I was already deep entrenched into my feeling that all new horror movies were trash garbage fires. So I wouldn't have watched it anyway. I didn't like the name even. I was like, because um, it feels, it felt like around this whole period, there was a lot of movies with that sort of naming. The only one that comes to mind right now is The Exorcism of Emily Rose. But like, look at that name structure and then look at The Autopsy of Jane Doe. You know, that sort of structure, that too was like, almost, I was very annoyed by it. I don't know why. But anyway, I definitely never watched this movie, never looked into it at all. So it just sort of passed by my life and I went on without ever seeing it. In the past couple of years, I've heard a lot of people talk about how this movie is good or great, um, typically on podcasts. And still not really interested in watching it because I'm not a modern horror person, at least I have been uh, led to, I made myself believe that to be the case. I made myself believe that I was not interested in new horror movies or would not be um, so, either way, I finally did settle down to watch it, um, you know, partially because there are people out there who say it's really great, so I'm like, okay, fine, I'm trying to get over this whole thing I have, this whole problem, might as well, and it's available, you know, so I might as well check this out, so I finally did, and I think I'm glad I did, so that's a good thing, you know, it would just reinforce my negative feelings if it was terrible. So anyway, this movie's really contained, and I appreciate that. I really usually prefer movies with less characters, because it can be very difficult at times. If they're not, like, very obviously distinctly different to tell who is who's who, it can just get really frustrating. So this movie's very simple. There is a father and son duo who work at a mortuary together. It is their mortuary. The father's name is Tommy, and the son's name is Austin. They're working together in the mortuary, and the film starts with them, you know, just sort of doing their own, their simple stuff they normally do, I guess. Austin has a girlfriend named Emma, who we meet very early on in the film, and um, it looks like, you know, they're ha- they really like each other, but it seems that for Austin, the mortuary work and his father come first before her, but you know, whatever. So the film starts off, we're just sort of thrown into um, a crime scene where people are taking photos of the scene. And it's you see multiple dead bodies sort of strewn throughout the house. And, um, you know, we don't know the what's going on exactly. We just know this is obviously a murder scene. Um, and one of the sheriffs gets a call to go down to the basement. So he goes in the basement and sees that. There is, like, this naked woman who is partially buried in, like, um, dirt under, in, you know, in the basement. And she's just there. And nobody knows who she is. She does not appear to be related to the family who was upstairs and dead. It just seems like some woman who was buried down here is partially unburied. And no one knows what's what with her. And it, it, it doesn't match with anything else that's been going on. So they take the body out. And basically, they are going to bring it to the morgue. So while that sort of scene is happening, the crime scene investigation, um, Emma comes into the morgue and scares her boyfriend because apparently he's very easily frightened by things. And she comes in walking around, and she wants to see a dead body. And Austin is like, no, no, you don't want to see that. You like can't see it. 
Um, but his father comes in on them and is like, yeah, let her see. Why not? Um, so she sees a body. It's just like a regular dead body. She's like, that's not the one I wanted to see. Let me show, show me this other one. So she goes to, she chooses one where the face is covered because the face has been like blown up by a shotgun blast or some gun blast. Um, And she wants to take off the covering of the face. You know, Austin's like, no, you know, you really shouldn't. If you're not, if you're something you're going to see, you don't want to see this. So as she goes, reaches very slowly to grab it and take it off and see for herself this horribly disfigured face um austin i believe jingles this little bell on the corpse's foot which they had just discussed is basically something that morticians used to do in case a body that they get is not actually dead then they'll know that it's not dead because the person will wake up at some point and move around and that'll shake the bell but anyway, he shakes the bell, freaks her out, and she doesn't actually see underneath the covering because she's just kind of pissed. She's like, why did you do that? So just as Austin is leaving, because he's going to go on a date with Emma, you know, whatever, what they do, what en- ends up happening here is that the sheriff suddenly brings in a body. And I guess this is not standard procedure. This is unusual. So, So after the sheriff sort of, I guess, talks about it, Austin is like, hey, you know, can we please, uh, you know, you can come over later, like, you know, later in the evening, and I'll be all yours. But he's basically blowing her off for work. And so it's like, she's like, maybe I'll come. I don't know. So they get the woman that the sheriff has brought in. They begin their autopsy examination. And it starts out pretty simple but it's like from the first moment once they um, are getting the details of her like her hair color her eye color when they open up her eyes they see like cloudy gray eyes and then the music shifts in a way that you can tell that this is supposed to be an unusual or odd circumstance this is backed up by the fact that apparently a cloudy eyes that cloudy or you know means that the body's probably multiple days old yet the body still feels very fresh she doesn't have rigor mortis or anything and as far as the external is concerned, she looks pretty normal. You know, she doesn't look like she has bruises or anything or cuts. However, they quickly discover her wrists, her ankles, they're totally broken. And the broken bones are just the start of it. You know, they keep sort of doing this little external examination. They look in her vagina. They find lots of cuts in there. Deliberate cuts, not um, just tears. They look in her mouth. Her tongue is cut off. And it is clearly cut, not bitten off. And things get a little bit weirder. They cut her open to sort of do the internal examination. And she bleeds quite a bit after being cut. Which is not normal for a multiple day old corpse. And all the while, all this is happening, they keep like cutting back to the corpse's face. Which has had its eyes left open and its mouth left open. I don't know if you normally do that when you're working. If you do that, I would imagine you would try to keep their eyes closed so it doesn't look so creepy. But whatever. Anyway, things continue to become stranger because Austin is, you know, trying to get something and he notices that the sort of fridge with stuff is like all bloody for some reason. So he starts to clean that up while the dad is opening up the body. The dad notices, wow, her lungs are really blackened. And 
so Austin's like, oh, she's a smoker. But the dad, you know, with these years of experience is basically saying, no, she could have been a heavy smoker for 30 years and this would not still, it still wouldn't look like this. This is like fire damage. Like, wow. And as they look at the rest of her sort of body parts, they see that her internal organs are all scratched up, cut marks. Um, not fresh cuts. It's like healed over cuts as if she had been stabbed multiple times but of course there's nothing external going on nothing makes that obvious that she was harmed except for the fact that now they've opened her they're seeing all this damage so up until this point in the movie the way that they keep cutting back to her face and things keep sort of seeming like she's not dead or is barely dead like the bleeding no rigor mortis etc made me think oh girl this girl's alive okay and i don't know how but she's alive and that sort of mindset of mine dropped out once they cut her heart out of her body and hold it around i'm like okay she's dead now if she wasn't already so anyway that was just where my mind was at the time and after this revelation i think they hear knocking or some sort of noise so austin goes to check out the noises and he's, he's going down the hall, and they have, like, one of those corner mirrors that you can use to sort of see down the hall so you don't run into someone at a sort of blind um, hallway junction. And he thinks he sees a figure. But when he turns, there's nobody there. Either way, he goes into um, a room, and he hears sort of noises coming from the air vents. And in the beginning of the movie, the air vents are shown to be a place where the cat just sort of, their family cat just sort of wanders around inside because he pops out of one earlier in the film with a dead mouse or something. Which was, of course, like a foreshadowing and explanation and an explanation of what's going to happen next. Which is, of course, that there is something in there. He freaks out, but when Austin comes to look again, he sees that the cat is in there and it's severely hurt. You know, it's not in a good position. It's not going to make it. So Tommy, the father, snaps the cat's neck and they burn it. And that's a sad thing because it's like this family cat. It's been alive for a while. It was apparently his uh, dead wife's cat. So, you know, there was feelings there about the cat. But, you know, they go back into the sort of room where they're doing the examination and Austin notices that one of the corpse drawer things is opening a bit. So he goes over and closes it. He's like, oh, I must have forgot to lock it. Or whatever. And to me at this point, it's like, okay, they're really trying to suggest to us, the filmmakers, that there is somebody or something in the morgue with them. And we just don't know what for certain yet. So they continue. They open up her stomach and stuff. They find flour. They find... A bag with a tooth in it, though this, in fact, is actually uh, some sort of shroud with sort of writing on it that they don't really understand at this time. And at this moment as well, they have the radio on. It keeps talking about a storm. There's a major storm going on. It's going to be, you know, winds are 60 miles per hour or something. There's going to be flooding, etc., etc. Setting up that they're not going to be able to leave the morgue, basically. The radio is like also haunted because it keeps changing to other tracks, to other stations, and some weird song that seems like it's maybe supposed to be 50s-ish, but feels even not 
or worse. I don't know if it's a real song. Maybe it is, but it's not a song I've ever heard before. Anyway, while this is all happening, they sort of cut back her skin from, I guess, the other layers of stuff and see basically what kind of looks like tattoo marks of some sort of ritualistic iconography. But again, they didn't see any of this on the external part of her body. They're seeing it now. And it starts to become clearer that something very, very, very odd has been going on with this body. How it has apparently sustained so much torture but has no outward effects of it. Um, at this point, the lights all in the room break. They, like, blast open, shatter. It's all dark. Um, but Austin with his cell phone turns on his cell phone light or whatever and finds his dad, and they look around that place, and it's creepy because all of the corpse drawer things are open, and there's nothing in them. So they're like, okay, we gotta get out of here. <laughs> the elevator doesn't appear to be opening because even though they have a generator, a backup power generator, it's not enough for the elevator, so they're, they're going up some other uh, manual way, I guess, with stairs and a sort of door, but the door is not opening. It appears that a tree branch, or a whole tree maybe, by there has fallen in the storm so they cannot leave that way either and of course as every horror movie has if you have a cell phone in it it's going to have no service so they go into the dad's office to hopefully use a landline they are able to call the sheriff's department but the sheriffs cannot appear to hear very well what they're trying to say and then the line eventually just disconnects so when they're in the office they hear bell jingling noises and of course, if you're paying attention to the foreshadowing at the beginning of this movie, the bell jingling it should only be happening It's because that's what they tied the bell around the corpse's legs. Therefore, if you're hearing bell jingling, that means that the corpse is walking around outside the door. But we do not see that. We just hear the, the bell and know something is very, very clearly wrong. Um, while the dad's in the bathroom, he seems to be grabbed by some force or figure, um, gets sort of beat up badly. But he survives, and all he can really remember is that whoever attacked him had gray eyes, just like the Jane Doe. So after all this, they are very clearly frightened and know that something has gone terribly wrong and supernatural, and they decide they need to cremate this body. So they go into the um, examination room again. Unfortunately, they hear something banging on the door, they close the door. Um, they do find, though, they finally see face-to-face -face one of those dead bodies that they had recently worked on is standing on the other side of the door. So, it sort of puts to rest anything. It's clear that these that's where those bodies went. They're walking around the morgue. They can't get to the crematorium, of course, at this point, because there's a zombie on the other side of the door. So they just set her on fire <laughs> with gas and a, uh, a lighter. The whole room gets set on fire. Um, they you know, work it out, they subdue the fire. Apparently the body is still fine, not burnt to a crisp. So, you know, at this point it's like, okay, who knows what the hell is going on, but it's clearly just, we can't deal with it. So they run back to the elevator because it appears, it sounds like it's working again, it's making noise like it's moving. Um, but, of course, to be ultra dramatic while they're waiting for the elevator to come down to them, they hear a bell jingling in the hall. The hall is completely dark, but they do hear it. And they know, of course, as they've been seeing, it's got to be another one of the corpses. So they start to get into the elevator, and they're trying to close it as fast as they can when the 
creature appears on the other side of the door of the elevator for them. And you do get a quick glimpse. You know, things light up in such a way that you can see that this is the body that had its face shot at point blank. And so, of course, the father uses an axe that Austin had been holding and, you know, throws it down hard on this body. However, at this point, you hear sort of a, I guess, dying sounds of a woman. And Austin sees and realizes, no, this was not that creature. This was actually Emma. And that felt cheap to me because I'm like, okay, come on. You can't let us actually see the corpse with the, you know, shot face for a second and then tell me it was actually Emma. And if it were, you know, it's like, well, if it was Emma, why wasn't she saying anything? Why was she just creepily walking down the hall? Why was she even there? Because as the radio has been going on, it's been saying, you know, stay indoors. This is a serious warning. Don't leave your house. Stay where you are. So why would she be there? She shouldn't have been, even though she said she might come back. She shouldn't have done so. Just to go to a stupid fucking date, I'm sure the theater would have been closed anyway. In any case, apparently it was her, and I guess you could chalk it up to supernatural business. I'm looking around. So, this is terrible. Well, they have a heart-to-heart in the elevator. Father and son, you know, talking about the mother and how she died and stuff. And, you know, as a result of this, they're like, okay, finally, you know what? We're just going to resolve that we have to finish this autopsy because for some reason, the Jane Doe doesn't want us to finish the autopsy. That's why all these horrible things keep happening. She's trying to stop us. So they, of course, go back to the examining room yet again. Um, they get attacked again, but it doesn't really seem to matter because nobody is dead as a result of it or, like, incapacitated. Anyway, they make it back to the examining room, which I think they're on the last step where they open up her skull to go to her brain. They take some brain tissue, and the brain looks normal. But when they look at it under a microscope, they see that apparently you see like the cells and the blood and stuff still moving around, which means that that brain tissue that they had is still alive. And therefore she is still alive, despite having her heart cut out, despite being burned, you know, at point blank, she was set on fire. And they look at the shroud again, they sort of find out what it's saying, something about Leviticus or whatever, in the... They realize, okay, this, you know, this person, whoever she is, seems to have come from New England, and she was prosecuted as a witch, it seems. She was tortured heavily and then killed in some sort of ritualistic sacrifice. But apparently it didn't work, and whether she was a witch before or not, she appears to have been certainly being one now, because she's still alive despite all this. And has brought those corpses to life and all that stuff. So the father, you know, he's he's fooling down with whatever is going on. He's like, okay, I don't understand this, but it appears that, yes, this woman, this body is now clearly a witch and is not dead and is able to cause us great harm. So Tommy pleads to the witch, uh, please, you know, do what you want to me, but leave my son, basically. So she tortures him back in the ways that she was tortured with the broken wrists and ankles with the internal stab well the stab wounds you know basically all of it and austin ends up having to kill his father because his father's like please you know to end it basically 
Um, but then it's the morning. The sheriff has come back, and they're sort of clearing out the tree that was in front of the sort of escape hatch. And so, but at this point, it's like, well, Austin clearly looks like he killed his uh, girlfriend and his father. I mean, that's how what else would you explain this as? So he's trying to open the hatch with the sheriff from the other end on the other side. But this stops because Austin hears suddenly the sheriff is singing that song that was on the radio, the weird 50s-esque song. So he's like, oh, God, and sort of backs up. But he sees his father standing despite, clear, you know, he was dead. So his corpse standing behind him. And Austin backs up, falls off of the steps and dies by falling to the floor. Next, we get to see sort of a reprise of the intro of the film where, again, we've got people at a crime scene taking photos and looking, sort of walking around. Only this time, the crime scene is the mortuary. The sheriff is very confused. You know, all of the sheriffs are confused by this because they don't understand what happened here. It just seems to make no sense. And at this point, we see the Jane Doe body looks completely healed. She is not cut open or anything anymore. She looks like she's brand new basically and um this sort of just film and this film just sort of ends with the one of the sheriffs sort of saying you know i knew this family for so long whatever this is seeming to show is not true the true story of what occurred here and they basically just ship off the jane doe body to a funeral home suggesting that you know she can continue her reign of terror elsewhere So that was The Autopsy of Jane Doe, and I thought it was pretty fun. You know, um, obviously there's some logic parts I didn't like, and admittedly when it started to get supernatural at the beginning, I was not into it because I was sort of like, is this going to be just sort of a cool uh, procedural thing where we're going to see them sort of uncover more disturbing, confusing clues and work to figure out what it is and figure out that maybe it's some sort of killer or some sort of sacrifice cult, or something that could explain all of this. But then it takes a hard turn into pure supernatural. Um, so since my expectation was kind of set to be more serious, sort of on the straight and narrow, I was not excited when it took that turn. But then I ended up liking it regardless. You know, it's a tense horror film. I would say I enjoyed it for the most part. So... I guess what they did was effective and, you know, worked out, all things considered. And the film is gory in a respect, but not, like, heads getting chopped off. It's more sort of naturalistic or real-life, quote-unquote, types of gore that you might see. Anyway, I thought this movie was pretty good. And um, I'm glad I finally watched it, you know, could check it off the list because it has been there for a while. And I'm glad to see that directors are, you know, even in 2016, were able to sort of put together a competent film, a spooky film that was enjoyable, but was not ridiculous. It was not jumping off a deep end and trying to be more than it was. So I like that. I appreciate this film. I'm not going to say it was the best I've ever seen, but I would give it like a solid 7 out of 10, I think. So there you go. Thank you for listening to another episode of All of Them Witches, and I hope you'll be here with me next time.